Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Helen. According to a Business Insider article, some people say that it takes just three seconds for us to make up our minds about whether we like someone or want to do business with them. It seems then that first impressions are pretty important when trying to land that job or internship. And you only ever get one with each person you meet, whether you join that company or not. Beyond just making a first impression, interviewing can be a nerve-wracking experience, and it can differ a lot between different industries. Today, we're going to share some of our personal experiences with interviewing for jobs and internships. So I know, I think we've talked about this briefly on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, but let's give a refresher. What jobs have you had leading up to where you are today? If I recount kind of the formal jobs, um, after college, I first worked at one of the big four in global transfer pricing. So for those who don't know what that is, I just explain it as like economic consulting. Mm. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, my second more formal industry job was working as a brand strategist in advertising, or sometimes they're called uh, account planners in advertising. And then my third more formal um, uh, career was as a user experience designer. But in between each of those careers, I've also had a spattering of other kind of like random jobs. I was a a marketing intern and then a contractor um, at a social enterprise co-working event company. Um, I did also work in food services and at a cupcake place briefly while I was in New York. Um, And then also uh, part-time at a wellness doctor's office in Santa Monica when I went through my Chinese medicine phase. So kind of all over the place. (laughs) She went deep with the cupcake shop and then the wellness. Like, oh, okay. That's a spattering of uh, jobs. (laughs) I'm a spattering of a person. It was a splatter. (laughs) What? It was a splatter. Spattering? (laughs) Anyways, Mel. (laughs) What uh, What are some of the different jobs that you've had leading up to ABG? Hmm, okay, so I focus also on like more like my full-time, not full-time, my career-type jobs. Yeah, my yeah. career jobs. Um, so I did a freelance stint for about a year. So I did producing, you know, digital videos for creators on YouTube. And I did tour management and talent management. Um, so I did that for about a year and wanted to realize, you know, I, I need something more financially stable. And my first full-time job was when I was 26. I was a late bloomer. Um, so those of you out there who are struggling to find a job, it's okay. Once you get the job, you're going to feel like you always had the job, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So my first full-time job was at a corporate fashion company doing production, and that was for around you know one and a half years. And then I got promoted to their social media content producer, and I was there for another year. And I left that job for a digital media company called Jubilee Media, and I was their head of community, which I did like social media management and community management there. And then... I went to AVG for a year, mm. so it hasn't even been that long that I've actually worked. Best job. Best job ever, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, looking back on my career, I realized I did stay heavily in the creative space, mm. and my job has been very, feels like kind of more startup culture, too, mm. um, besides the um, fashion company where I felt more, you know, corporate, but it was mm. fashion. It felt really fun, and like, mm. um, but definitely learned a lot throughout my experiences. That is my background of my career. Mm. How about you, Helen? Oh my gosh. So I went through such a rabbit hole last night looking at old emails from like 2010 Mm -hmm. to prep for this uh, episode. And I like stayed up till like 3 a.m. just like looking through old emails. But it was actually really nice to reflect back on 2010 Helen. Mm. Um, Okay. So I've had five jobs in total, not counting ABG. 
And that does include summer internships. Mm. Um, so my first job was at an arcade called Dream Machine. And that was amazing. I think that was when I was 16, you know, cleaning machines, playing arcade games, giving out way too much candy. Um, <laughs> in high school, I interned at State Street Corporation, which is a financial services company. And I was doing wire transfers, which I think is very different from what you did, Jay. What global, did you do Global transfer pricing. Actually, it might be. No, no, no. So mine was super, like, super, super boring. I was basically cross-checking large dollar figures, making sure they matched, and then archiving them in Ah. physical folders. So that was what I think yours was much more interesting, (laughs) uh, for sure. End of freshman year of college, I worked at the Educational Development Center, Hmm. which, now that I'm older, I recognize is, like, a pretty awesome company. Mm -hmm. They're basically, like, pioneers in education. So they develop these large-scale education and reform trainings and curriculums that address, like, major social challenges. And I remember there were always these, like, scientists and researchers and creative artists just roaming around, ideating, and having these super nerdy discussions, which is a really cool environment to work in. Um, But my job was to be an event planner. And basically, I was the primary contact for their major annual conference in New York. So I was in charge of contacting 50 New York principals, school principals, 200 scientists and researchers, and... As someone who was never trained on how to like speak on the phone in a professional manner, mm. I, I hated like I. It was the scariest shit ever to be on the phone. I remember turning like bright red, speaking so quietly, trying to hide in my cubicle, knowing everyone could hear me, and I hated that so much. And the event like it went fine, but I just felt like such a fish out of water, mm-hmm. like doing actual work, you know. Uh, and I hated that I was sinking into certain Asian stereotypes too. Um, but I did get to work on my communication and interpersonal skills then, mm. and it was a it was a good learning experience. Sophomore year, I worked at Toy Stream, which is a media company, and I was the receptionist, handled the telephone again, <laughs> what the heck, transfer calls and all of that, and I was also in charge of ordering office snacks, which is pretty nice because a lot of people liked me. Like, <laughs> oh, that's true. You hold the power sense. of. Yeah. I, I held so much power in that office because they would come up to me and be like, "Hey, like, how's your day going? Hey, make sure you get the gummy bears yeah. or whatever." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I got you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a fun job, and I remember feeling more comfortable being in a work environment and mm-hmm. and talking on the phone this time around. Um, so definitely like assimilated more into corporate work culture mm-hmm. at that time. Junior year, I was a double major in finance and marketing, um, and as a business major, I. I really felt the pressures of knowing that my junior internship was going to be like the most influential Mm -hmm. since that's the quote unquote last internship before potentially landing a full time job once I graduated, or at least that was the pressure that I felt Mm -hmm. um, within my school. So my junior year, I had a choice between a paid marketing job or an unpaid finance job. And it was a very tough decision because I was a poor college student. I was actually Mm -hmm. studying abroad and traveling on my own savings. And because I knew I wanted to lean into finance after college, I made the decision to decline a job that would have paid me a couple thousand dollars in one summer compared to a job that would pay me nothing. Mm. So I ended up at Bolger Capital, which is a boutique iBanking firm. And I actually dug up the email where I accepted my offer. And I freaking said, studying abroad and traveling everywhere is not cheap. But after giving it much thought, I have decided to intern. And this is a quote. (laughs) I have decided to intern with Bolger Capital this summer because I really do want the experience and I feel I would learn a lot here. Thanks for granting me this opportunity. Uh, like who would say give like all of that information in an <laughs> acceptance like letter you know like you're an honest right an honest person honest and open uh, but it's so cringe when i was reading that i was just like why would you say that you know uh, well i think it kind of shows you how much maybe corporate culture suppresses that right because that is a natural thing like that's people true. want yeah it's like a social thing to share with people and and other like work cultures you would share with your coworkers. like yeah i was traveling over the summer and yeah. i was doing this yeah but yeah oftentimes in like very corporate like in, in mm-hmm. finance and like consulting like strategy like it's very like formal you don't reveal a lot about right, your life right right, right yeah. you I mean, you might say like this was a difficult decision given right. that it's an unpaid position yeah, yeah. so I needed more time to think about it but instead I was like I'm traveling and it's not cheap <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because like I see your emails now you don't sound like that at all <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes um but, you know, it was a great decision. I learned a lot through that internship. Mm-hmm. And my main focus was working on the digital media space. So I created pitch decks and presentations about companies in that industry, building 
EBIT evaluations and really dipping my hands into the M&A sector. Mm. And for the first time, I was able to add real finance experience on my resume. Mm -hmm. And then that set me up for my last job that I've had before ABG, which was at EY in what was formerly known as their evaluation and business modeling practice. And I ended up staying there for almost 10 years. So yeah, looking at all my past jobs, Mm-hmm. I think I picked up gradual communication and interpersonal skills and kind of took that leap of faith with a finance internship. And I would like to think that my first impressions from that email and from the times when I was like bright red taking on those calls for that event planning thing, like, you know, it's improved since then. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's a very long answer to this question. No, it's a walk down memory lane. That's mm-hmm. good. It gives. So for our listeners now, you've heard that between the three of us, there's been a wide variety of mm-hmm. different industries and co- work cultures you've been in. So that will hopefully help set the context for when we talk about first impressions. No matter what you work in, hopefully you'll be able to relate to one of our stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that, uh, generally when it comes to your careers and you think back, I know we've all been in kind of different jobs, but... Do you have kind of a general process that you go to uh, when it comes to preparing for interviews? Um, Like, are there certain things that you, do you have like rituals? Do you have like certain outfits? What's your thing that you do to prepare for interviews? Yes, I have my process on lock. So usually a few days before the interview, um, I have this document that I created with, that is filled with over 20 behavioral questions with my answers filled out. So most of the interviews I go for or go into are, they mostly ask me behavioral questions versus like, you know, uh, like, I know for engineering, they do, like, a test or, like, different, like, quizzes. I, yeah. Or not quizzes, but, like, case studies. Case studies. Yeah. I don't do that. None of my interviews were like that. Um, so I go to my doc, and I pull questions I think the employer will ask. Then I start drilling my answers. I also prioritize knowing my elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Your elevator pitch is pretty much when they say to you, so tell me about yourself. This is, like, your 20 to 30 seconds mm-hmm. field. Like, what is your background? Mm-hmm. So for me, once I have that perfected, I know my mind will answer the other questions better. It's kind of like... It's kind of like level one for me, knowing your elevator pitch. Second, I always print out extra copies of my resume um, and have them ready in a folder that won't bend or crease the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just to have to share with whoever I'm interviewing with, and it shows that you're prepared. Because there are times where you know you're, you might email the employer and HR your resume, but they don't necessarily have the resume printed. But you, if you have it ready for them, it's like a little like extra like ooh, she, yeah, she knows yeah, her yeah. stuff. And the day of, I have this routine. So before I drill my questions in the morning, let's say I have like a noon interview, I always call my mom in the morning and chat with her for around 10 minutes. Mm. I do this to warm up my voice and wake up my mind. Maybe it's a choir thing, but for me in the morning, your voice isn't in its prime and it still like has that morning like, Ugh, you know, yeah. and you got to like wake it up and warm it up, like lubricate it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it just reminds me like in choir, whenever we walk in, we always start warm ups first for 10 right, minutes right, and right, then yeah. you go into practice. Yeah. So I think for me, that's also something I built in for my, my routine. Give us a warm up right now. Oh. <laughs> Girl, this is not choir. <laughs> uh, hi, mom. So how's your day? I just literally just talk. Okay. But no, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Yeah. I also think like, you know, for these interviews, you need to be in this like a ready to go and answer mentality. So your mind, so the calls with my mom helps me like get in that mentality. Mm-hmm. And then I go over my, my answers again. Like I drill mm-hmm. them again. It's just like this wake up routine. And then for clothing, you know, I think, you know, working in creative, um, my industry is pretty lax. So I like to dress like, but I still like to dress business casual. So what I go to is like a pair of slacks or like dark jeans, to be honest, mm-hmm. and a very cute, simple chic blouse sometimes i throw on a blazer if i'm feeling a little like power you know power woman and on the way to the interview people might be surprised about this but i actually play i play christian worship music what um (laughs) i'm like in such shock right now this is so (laughs) not mel wait what so i'm actually not christian but i do enjoy worship music Mm. and i think the music just really calms me because my anxiety is like racing so it just puts my mind and my body at ease and it just it's a good way to just calm myself before an interview. Oh. So that is my routine. And then I'm just ready to go once I land at the office. Yeah. Oh, that is so interesting. You know what it is? A lot of worship, like Christian worship music, it's like very acoustic. So they play the oh, guitar right, right, right. and it's just like very calming and like, yeah. 
It's yeah. like a pick me up. It's like good yeah, it's a good music. Mood yeah, setter. it's very like it's it's soothing. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, oh, those were some great yeah. tips. I picked up from yeah from I think you're calling your mom and warming up your voice and warming up having a conversation mm-hmm. is a really good tip. And the music that makes sense too to lift your mood up before you go into you know yeah because there are times when like you put on like think about it when you work out you put on like high intensity music right. but you're like getting to work up like your your mind needs to be ready. Yeah, it's like mm. yeah, it's yeah. a different mode. I like it. But like yeah, it. that's my process. Um, how about you, Helen? What, what do you do? All, all good points. Um, okay, so for my past jobs, like at the Arcade, State Street, EDC, Toy Stream, I don't think I had formal interviews. Actually, mm. Education Devel- Educational Development Center and Choice Stream, I think those were actually through temp agencies, mm. which I don't know if you ladies have yeah. like experienced that before, but like, I yeah, that's what I went through. And I think they take a cut of your pay, or at least they, they charge a markup to the company that they're working with. Um, but yeah, it was very easy to land those jobs and I probably had an interview quickly with them and then they kind of just like placed me into oh, these temporary positions. So then for my iBanking job, I had to go back and actually, cause I was like, did I have an interview? And I realized I had emailed a hundred different finance jobs for this junior year internship, just cold emailing. And Bulger Capital was one of the few that got back to me. And I actually did a Skype interview for that job because I was studying abroad in Melbourne. That's my email from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got an email from them and I did a Skype interview from Tokyo. And I just remember the dude was like very shadowy and silhouetted. Mm-hmm. It was like really creepy. Mm. Um, so make sure you have good lighting. If you Nowadays, I'm yeah. sure a lot of interviews are done online. But yeah, I basically never had a formal interview until my senior year of college. And during that month of September and October, I literally went from like no interviewing skills to going through 100% of the formal interviews I've ever had in my life. Actually, my resume is still dated 2009 because I've never updated mm. it oh, since wow. I got my job. Um, but my process was, like you said, Mel, get, well, I guess this is different for me, but get a nice suit. Mm. That was mine. Um, and I got mine from H&M, oh. something that was affordable and fit well. And it was actually the only suit I wore for like 10 interviews, some of which I even flew out of the state for. But I had one suit for all of these interviewed, never washed that Ew. suit. And sometimes I would just sleep and wake up and go to the next interview. So it was always <laughs> the same suit and a white shirt on the inside. Mm. Um, but other than my outfit, this should be pretty obvious, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised that not a lot of people do take this into consideration. Know what position you're interviewing for. Like sometimes yeah. a lot of people read the title and they'll, they'll briefly skim over the description and just be like, okay, I'm going to apply. Mm. But then they don't recognize what it is they're actually mm. applying for. Because mm. I totally went through that. Because I was just like, finance, go, 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 go. <laughs> um, but freshen up on your technical knowledge if you're applying for a position that has more mm. technical skills that are required. Practice with sample case studies. I bought the, I mentioned this before, I bought the Vault Guide to Finance, which is like a spark notes for finance and was able to get through my technical interviews. Obviously, that's only at the college level. I probably can't do that now. <laughs> but know what you are applying to, know what they do, and even maybe reach out to a staff or senior analyst on LinkedIn and just ask if you can grab coffee to learn about their day-to-day. There's no harm in doing that. You can learn a lot about the job itself. Practice, like you said, Mel, practice your elevator pitch, your personal elevator pitch. And be prepared to speak about all the details on your resume and why you'd be a good fit working for that company's team. I remember on my resume, I, I had something that was kind of like a, I think I said something about like, I knew how to do like Microsoft Access or something mm-hmm. like that. And I used it once. And oh, I think mm-hmm. someone asked me about it and I couldn't really explain it. And I just felt so dumb. Mm-hmm. But then after that moment, I, I knew I was like, know every single detail on your mm-hmm. resume, make sure it is accurate, like yeah. super accurate. Because that's all they know about you. That's all they're going to, yeah. you know, jump off of. Um, so know your resume. No, but it's true because I think people are rushing to just, and it's, when you're sending your resume, it's just digital. You don't have to be interacting with someone yeah. about it, right? So you just submit it and then you don't think that they might reference it again. But exactly. it's very true. That's like the only thing they really know about you when they meet you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. going to talk about, yeah. Take a huge breather. I had a pre-interview bathroom ritual, which I know we do for mm. our ABG speaking events too when they were in person, where I just took a moment and breathe. And I thought to myself, you know, everyone here in this interview room is just a bag of fluid. (laughs) I just need to impress this bag of fluid. They are human, just like me. And that helped me out a lot. Mm. Also, I wore a red underwear for luck, always. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That is a must. So Helen tips, wear red underwear, uh, know what's on your resume. and (laughs) Look at everyone as a bag of fluid. Yes. (laughs) And get a good suit. And get a good suit. And get a good suit. suit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
No, but the, the, I mean, I think to their point about like whether it's red underwear or whatever it is, but something that you feel like puts you in a mental space where you think you have good luck. Yeah. Right? Because it's about your mentality when you mm-hmm. go in there. Yeah. And then the, the bag of fluid is, yeah, just like don't feel super intimidated by the people. Like yeah. they're they're human. I think and, sometimes, yeah. and sometimes they're uncomfortable or they're nervous interviewing you too. Yeah. That is so true. Because they have to be like the professional. Yeah. You know, they have to set an example for the entire company. So yeah. it really is when you go into an interview, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're interviewing them to see if you like them and exactly. the company and what they offer and vice versa. So that, that, I remember thinking that also alleviated a lot of my stress. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great, a great way to approach it. Like you should be interviewing them too. So mm-hmm. see yourself as like an equal. Yeah. How about for you, Jay? Oh, those are all great. I'm, yeah, I do feel like I'm like taking pieces of each of you. <laughs> Janice's like, I don't wear underwear, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my good luck. I actually don't, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, my process. So I'm trying to think of like, I feel like when I when I was like younger, and then especially with the Deloitte job, like because they were it, they were it was so like niche. And at the time in two thousand seven, transfer pricing was in a practice, but it was just starting to grow a little bit more because they changed some international tax laws or something. Mm. And then also in the Bay Area for technology, there were a lot of people that could do creative things with like intellectual property. I don't know, but either way, it's like no one really knew what it was, right? Yeah. And so half my interview was them explaining to me what it <laughs> what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I will say kind of that maybe is more applicable for anyone uh, looking to interview in the beginning or middle of your career is to always know the people you're going to meet. Mm, Um, And usually they will provide you with your schedule. Like if you're there for interviews, you're usually going to meet with like three to five people. And if they don't provide you with names, you can also ask like, um, you know, confirming I'm meeting here at this time, could I get a list of the people I'll be meeting? And then I always go on LinkedIn and look them up. What is their role? Is this someone that I would potentially be working under? Or mm-hmm. is it like, are they someone who is more of like a big picture in the company? So you'll kind of have an, an understanding of what type of questions you might expect from them, right? If it's mm-hmm. going to be someone that's closer to you and your manager, they might ask more technical questions. If it's like the VP that you're meeting in your department, it, they're probably going to be asking more behavioral and culture fit questions. Mm-hmm. And then for me, because I have changed a lot of jobs, the elevator pitch or preparing like my story has always been really, really important. So if you are a career transitioner, I think that is a critical part is to get your story straight. Um, and, uh, and then secondly, from that studying, like the content. So for UX type jobs and for advertising type roles, we had a portfolio. So part of the technical part is being able to walk someone through, uh, one or two projects. Sometimes like in advertising, they would go through your whole book. So you have to be prepared to talk about each of like five projects, what you did on it, why you thought about things the way that you did. Maybe even they just want to like brainstorm with you on the spot about something, uh, for UX design. Yeah. They're looking for like, are you, do you know how to do the design process? And then also what exactly you did on each project. I've also, I've had, and this is something I learned later in my career because I did have case study type things earlier in my career, but because I didn't have anyone around me that worked those jobs, I had no idea what a technical interview was. Mm. So I have fallen on my face in a couple of case study (laughs) interviews. So if you are going into anything finance or consulting related, um, case studies will probably be a part of your interview process. So look that up, talk to someone and and prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is I always try to get a good night's sleep Mm. because you want to be well rested. Most of the time it's not very successful because I'm nervous, right? But still you, you know, you go in with the intention to try to go to bed early. And then when I get up in the morning, I focus on trying to put myself in a good mood. Probably should use music. I tend to use coffee, which is I'm like, I'm like, I need some caffeine and, yeah. you know, get me energized. But also be careful to not have too much coffee because then you'll be jittery, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you might be like too energetic and too happy. And they're like, what's wrong with this chick? <laughs> or what's wrong with this candidate? Um, and then in terms of outfits... I think similar to Mel, we've probably interviewed in more like a similar like creative mm-hmm. or like tech type spaces. So it's usually like casual, but like, so it's not quite, it's not quite formal business and it's not quite super, super casual. Like you're not going in in a hoodie, but it's somewhere in between. So you want to be almost like casual chic. Yep. So I usually will do, yeah, black pants or dark jeans. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to a top, I say simple is better. And I think I read some study where they said that there, people have a color association, so the brighter and lighter colors that you wear, people find you more trustworthy and like happy. Mm. And if you're wearing really dark colors, people tend to associate that with like less, maybe more intense and 
I, I'm not sure, like more serious or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually will try to go with like a white, like a brighter color. Mm-hmm. And then I almost always have some sort of t- like a blazer is more professional and more structured. And then if not, like a, a cardigan or something. Mm-hmm. And then for shoes, I tend to go for like a simple black. I like boots over say like flats I don't just personally I feel like a little bit of height and a little bit of like a a more structured shoe makes me feel more put together Mm. um and then to Helen's point I'm not wearing red underwear but I will sometimes wear red lipstick or like Mm. a some something Mm. um for me that this is something I I adopted in high school when I had to when I was like captain of a dance team and I was really shy I would wear red lipstick and imagine it as like a way to kind of like highlight my power of the mm. power of my voice or something. It's a, it's just like a weird little mental yeah. trick. Yeah. yeah. But if it give, if it gives you confidence, you know, to do those things. So those are kind of some of my some of my routines. Oh, these are really really <laughs> great tips. Like even the whole about like understanding like asking for the names of the people you're interviewing with and yeah, like knowing good. the difference of what kind Who of questions are. they're going to ask. I totally stalk all the people that I yeah yeah. 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 It, it helps you to not feel off guard too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. honey. I love me some honey, especially drizzled over my Greek yogurts, which is why I love honey, the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it can find to your cart so that I can get a discount on my honey with honey. And not to confuse you all, but honey is a browser extension and one that I've been using for a while now. It supports over 30,000 stores online. This is how it works. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds as honey searches for coupons you can find for that site. And if honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop, which is what I saw with my purchase of honey, the gooey kind, along with a discount on the rest of my food items in the cart. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. I'd never recommend something I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash A-B-G. That's joinhoney.com slash A-B-G. Hi, ABGs. We hope you are all taking care of yourselves, especially when it comes to female health. Modern Fertility is one of our partners, and they are an at-home fertility hormones test. Even if having kids and fertility is not on your mind, it's still important to understand your hormone health. They send you a test kit in the mail, you create an account online, take a simple finger prick to complete the sample, and then mail it in with a prepaid label that they give you. Tip, if you're scared of needles like Mel, get a friend for moral support. Helen and I talked her through it, told her to breathe in, prick, breathe out, and it was over. All three of us took this test and got our results online in 10 days. I got insight into my hormone levels like AMH and TSH and details around my ovarian reserve, ovulation, and general wellness. So I learned things like whether I have more, normal, or fewer eggs than average for my age and whether I may reach menopause earlier, normal, or later than the average age of 51. If you go to modernfertility.com ABG, you can get $20 off your test. They also take HSA and FSA dollars. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash ABG. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash ABG. Modernfertility.com slash ABG. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. What is an interview experience you had that stands out? Either you bombed it, you felt like you aced it, but didn't get a call back, or the interview did something unexpected. Okay, so I have one that comes to mind. It was an interview I did with Jeffries for an iBanking role, and I was 
and this was for a full-time position and mm. I was stoked going into it. I felt super prepared, which is very uncharacteristic, but I was so prepared and this was the job that I really wanted to go for. And so I was sitting there in the interview room waiting for the interview to come in. The door opens and I see one of my sister's friends who graduated from Harvard. He walks in and my eyes light up like, yo, this is going to be dope. This is going to be such a good interview. You know, I know you, you know me. <laughs> but then I see an older looking dude follow him. Oh, shit. And I realize I'm going to interview with both of them. And so I am so taken aback. But also I, I knew I couldn't react because mm. if I did, then it would be obvious that like, like insider stuff going yeah. on or whatever, right? So I get up and I shake both their hands and I pretend like I have no idea who this dude is. That's my sister's friend. And it turns out he was just like the assistant interviewer. So he was kind of there taking notes and Mm -hmm. listening in um, and probably practicing his own, you know, for for the future when he is the primary interviewer. And it was just like so awkward because here I was trying my best to give my elevator pitch and sell myself. And it's so awkward when it's like a not really a friend friend in the room and hearing all of what you're saying. Um, and they, and I, and he was like a partier too. So he totally saw me like downing $5 shots at Thirsty Thursday, <laughs> you know, at Kells, the bar in Austin. Um, but at one point the main interviewer, he got a phone call and he excused himself and left the room. Mm-hmm. And even though this friend was supposed to keep asking me questions, he just completely like flipped the switch and started persuading me not to take this job. <gasps> I know, right? What? He was like, Helen, get the fuck out of here. iBanking is the worst job ever. You do all this stuff for your boss, and you're given all of these strict deadlines. You PDF your work. You put it on your boss's desk, and he never looks at it, throws it away, and all your work is used for nothing. Like, the hours are terrible. This job just sucks. And he keeps going on about how he's always tired, never has a life anymore, and all he has to see for it is money he never has time to use. So... I was just like shocked. I was already shocked. And then I was just like, my dreams are shattered. And I think right there and then I gave up on the interview, like didn't care as much Mm, to please the primary interviewer when he came back in. And I decided then never to do eye banking. And Mm. that was like a very crazy interview experience. But I think that also changed the trajectory of, even though I went to finance, but it changed the trajectory of my life. So, wow. Yeah. I don't know if he knows that. Like, he knows that that was... Obviously, that had to yeah. have left a huge impact on me because yeah. these job, these interviews are hard to get to. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's like a scene from a movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, you are coming in, like, oh, awkward. And then you're, like, pitching yourself. And all of a sudden, it's like, and boom, this job sucks. Like, yeah. 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 Get, the, yeah. get the F out. Yeah. He was two years in. And I think oh. if you're two years... Because usually, a lot, I guess back then, 10 years ago, people would say that I think in job, you stay for, like, two, three years. Yeah. And then for sure, you get burnt out. It's brutal. So he was probably in his, like, burnout, burnout phase. Stage. Yeah. yeah is he still in eye baking you think i don't know i'm gonna look him up right now <laughs> i mean in some ways i kind of see it as like he did you a favor yeah. too i think oh, so yeah 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 but that is a lot to take in mm-hmm. when you're like in a mind mm-hmm. space you're in go mode of interviewing and then he shatters your dreams and then you have to make a decision then, right like what moment. am i gonna do going forward exactly exactly Oof. oh my gosh Wow, so. that's that's a I memorable. My gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me see. So he is a director of finance at somewhere in that's the a, Bay Area now. Okay. Hmm. How did he Interesting. Let me see how long he stayed at. Oh, he stayed at Jeffries for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe yeah. like probably right after you walked out, he's like, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he had to like convince himself. Yeah, too. yeah, maybe that was. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> oh, he was having a moment to himself, but you were just in the room, and yeah. he was like trying to save you and save himself. And that is so <laughs> funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, wow. But yes, for anyone who is doing iBanking out there and you have the grit and the ability to get through it, props to you because mm-hmm. that, that stuff is hard. Yeah. That stuff yeah. is hard. Yeah. I, I had a couple of like uh, friends in the Bay Area who um, either were in iBanking or were, came from iBanking at the time and I just heard miserable stories. So I was just like, mm-hmm. that made me scared. I was like, why would anyone ever do that? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. yeah, it's, there's a certain, there was a glow to it when you were coming out of college mm-hmm. in a certain period. It was mm-hmm. like the desired job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how about for you, Jay? What is an interview experience that stands out to you? Oh my God. One of my first interview experiences out of college for my first job, um, I had mentioned I've fallen on my face before. So this is a story about that. Mm. Um, so I went to UCSD and uh, I, I had dis- I majored in math and econ and decided afterwards that I wanted to go into, I was aiming for management consulting. But there was like no business uh, resources or companies that really hired from UCSD. And if they mm. did, they focused purely on like biotech. Um, so it was like the McKinsey's would come and recruit some people, but only if they were like a bioengineer major. Mm-hmm. So I like really tried to hustle. I went to like USC's 
job fairs and all this kind of stuff. And I, yeah, I also did the like spamming people emailing. And I was like, oh, I, I think even East Coast, I would get up at like 5 a.m. in the morning just so that I, it would be like the first thing that hits their yeah, like yeah. inbox. Wow. Um, so I ended up landing an interview at a small like economic consultancy in Chicago. Um, and they, and I got as far as like, I think there was like a phone interview, different components. And then one of the stages, they want to fly you out to do the in-person interview. So I was like, okay, I've never been to Chicago. And here I am like fresh face, like, you know, I don't know what this is. And I, and no one that I knew that was also interviewing for like consulting. And so I had no concept. I was like, oh yeah, they're just going to ask me more questions about my schoolwork and like behavioral questions. I get there. And, um, within the first, like, 15 minutes after the intros are like okay now we're gonna have you do a case study and I was like what the fuck is a case study I didn't yeah. say that but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but my my inside I was like what is that mm-hmm. and so they give me a piece of paper and I'm like oh my god this is like a test like yeah. I feel like I'm like in a final exam it is yeah and then and they're like okay we're gonna leave the room we'll give you 20 minutes to work through uh here is yeah a piece of paper and then you'll have the whiteboard when we come back in if you want to present your work you oh know? my god and oh I just god. I still remember I was like Oh my God. And like, and they were pretty like quantitative too, because I think they were, it was similar to like actuarial work or like, um, it's like, yeah, where you tried to like place values. It's like very formula heavy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like theory and concept heavy. And I just remember that was the longest fucking 20 minutes of my life. Cause I had no idea how yeah. to solve the problem. And yeah. I was like, but I can't, I have to sit here for 20 minutes anticipating that I'm going to fall on my face when they come in. And I don't even remember if I wrote anything down, but I must have blubbered my way through. So I don't know. And then, but it was a pretty like fell on my face. And I was just like, damn, I like flew all the way out to Chicago for this. And I knew within the first like 10, 15 minutes that it was all for nothing. Um, But yeah, so that, that was, that was kind of a a very memorable one. Um, I have another one that's like a more fun one though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a less serious, so I have kind of my career type of jobs. And then there was a, there are periods between careers where I would, um, like when I moved to New York and bef- when I knew that it was like down cycle of hiring uh, for certain things that are for like advertising, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a job for like a couple months. So I like applied everywhere and I went through temp agencies. Yeah. Um, and I actually got a, a callback for a an assistant to the creative director at Vera Wang. And this is totally like, I'm like, I'm not going in fashion, but at that point I was like, I'm out in New York. I'm not landing advertising jobs. What the fuck? Let's see what yeah. I might, you know, what sticks if I put it out there. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like, cause I had like bootstrapped my way out there. I had like two, two luggages, you know, trying to like save money. So I like, I remember I was like, okay, this is fashion though. I need to look like the part. So I went and bought a pair of shoes that I like could not afford and that were so hard to walk in, which I didn't know. I'm like walking in the store. I'm like, these look great. And then you have to go on the subway and then you have to walk through the streets to the office. So by the time I got there, I was like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. And this wasn't even, it was like a first round with their HR person. Um, and it was, it was a fine, you know, experience or whatever. I didn't, I I don't think I got a call back, but I still remember walking out of that, that place like, oh, this was fun. But like my feet fucking hurt. And I'm like, I'm going to return these shoes right now. Um, but yeah, that was like a two, two very different type of experiences but both very memorable yeah. for me <laughs> I totally see that in a movie too I know <laughs> that sounds like a devil rose prodigy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but the first interview you were talking about I was like I would feel mortified yeah oh that, I that fear that just seems yeah. Yeah, like yeah. oh yeah shit it's uh, embarrassing and yeah yeah I've definitely felt that before too where it's like you don't answer a question right yeah but I actually yeah I thought I like totally bombed this one interview and afterwards when I emailed them I kind of like dug into what I learned and when I emailed them, I said, okay, this is what I learned. I realized, like, this is my mistake. Yeah. And I, I got an offer from oh. them, which I totally did not expect. So maybe that's, that's good, something, like, a piece yeah. of advice for anyone who feels like mm. they bombed an interview. Yeah. Follow up with, like, a, hey, that was a great learning experience. I didn't yeah, know the yeah. answer, but this is what I mm-hmm. understand yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To show that you're, you're mm. thinking about it and it, like, really, like, hurts you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is really great advice because I think some, yeah, if it showcases to them that you do have the knowledge base, but maybe you just, like, freaked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, good tip. <laughs> what about you, Miss Mel? I have two also. So my first one was my first ever interview in college. And it totally stands out because I did not know how to prepare for an interview. Like, no one taught me anything at this point. I was like, oh, cool. Like, everyone's getting interviews and internships or a job. I should get that. Mm-hmm. So I just wasn't prepared. And it was for a campus tour guide. And I was, I was like thinking, like, oh, I'm pretty social. Like, okay, like, I got a tour once here. I could do this. The way I prepared was by pretending to give a tour to my roommates Mm. and the problem is I actually didn't know much about UCSD because I was a transfer student (laughs) so I literally was in my living room at my like dorm and I had like sit down like Tiff and Sally my roommates 
And I was like, okay, can I practice with you? They're like, yeah. So I was like, and over here on the right, I was like just making shit up as I go. Because <laughs> I was like, maybe they're just like wanting to see how I like interact with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then the day in the interview, I show up in jeans, a button down shirt, and like an infinity scarf. Like thinking like it's like cute and casual. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, While everyone showed up in a suit. <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah. Well, that's For a campus tour guide. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I was like, what the hell? Huh. And then it was a panel interview too. So my first interview was so much pressure. There's five of us interviewing and five faculty members. Mm. I was like, hell no. I hate group Oh, interviews. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I was like, at first I was like, I'm fucked. I'm wearing the wrong thing. Yeah. And then the question I got thrown at me was, how would you describe the drinking policy to incoming students? Or something like, something oh, no. along, something along yeah, those like lines. Like a touchy uh, subject. You yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh. Don't drink. And I didn't know the answer to this. Like, it wasn't like I read the policy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. And so, also keep in mind, like, we do have transfer housings on campus. So, technically, you can kind of drink on campus. People are over 21. Right. So, I totally fumbled and said something like, yeah, you could drink at the transfer places. <laughs> just don't tell me what. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, something like just not appropriate and yeah, off. Yeah. And I just knew it was bad. I, I, at that point, I was like, I'm fucked. I'm not going to get this. Yeah. And I never got the interview. But I walked out being like, so embarrassed Aww. because you also saying this answer in front of everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. i actually um i actually had a very similar experience where i was an ra and they asked similar questions mm-hmm. it's like what do you do yeah and it was like situational too so that we'll like play out the situations where we would walk into a room a dorm room and there's like a person lying down on the ground like face flat and they're like what would you do helen and i was like freak out <laughs> But you're supposed to like stay calm, you know, yeah. like mm. check to make sure they're breathing and then yeah. like call whatever. And I, I like similar to you, it's just like say something like what's your actual what, reaction right? is would be like freak out and yeah. be like, oh yeah. my God, like, hello, what, what do we do about this? But yeah, no, I feel you like, because I think also when you're younger and you're interviewing, you're thinking like you think about speed to response, like speed yeah. of response yeah, yeah. versus like thinking of the right answer. So at that point, I was like, oh yeah, you could drink all the transfer housing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my second interview that stands out it's really quick it was actually on the way to Sadaf one of my favorite internships and my roommate Tiff was dropping me off at the time because I didn't have a car and right before I was exiting the car to go into my interview my eyelash falsely fell off <laughs> one of my eyelashes fell off and like you know I do think you had to look the part I want to like look yeah. and makeup was done yeah. and so me and her were frantically trying to push whatever adhesive I had left on the eyelash into my eyeball oh no and we just gave up because it just looked like a hanging spider on my eye. <laughs> So at that point, I was like, F it. I just took my other eyelash and I ripped it off. I was yeah. like, I'm going no falsies. And you guys know how much I love falsies. But Aww. I killed it and I got it. So there that was go. my second uh, story. Maybe you don't need the falsies. Maybe, yeah. You know? It's Mel that makes the falsies. It's not the falsies that Ooh, make Mel. Yes. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> falsies don't make me. I make it. <laughs> My TV is like my best friend. However, I feel like I watched everything already and I find myself just scrolling through the same movies or shows. I just miss the excitement of weekly releases and brand new binge fest. That's why I'm so excited for Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television. If you're a fan of thrillers, which I am, and not knowing what to expect, you're going to love Keeping Faith. Award-winning actress Eve Miles stars in this BBC thriller as Faith Howells, a lawyer with a happy marriage until her husband suddenly disappears. What I really enjoy about Keeping Faith is that it takes me on this roller coaster ride of who done it, leaving me wanting more after each episode. With Acorn TV, you get thousands of hours of new enthralling content for a fraction of the cost, compared to most streaming services at just $5.99 a month. You can watch Acorn TV from your TV at home or through your laptop if you're on the go. It's so easy to pull off your favorite show. I was able to finish my other show, A Suitable Boy, due to this convenience. If you're ready for a streaming service that offers new stories, new characters, and breathtaking sceneries every week, do what I did and get Acorn TV. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use promo code ABG. That's A-C-O-R-N TV, code ABG to get your first 30 days for free. Hi everyone, I wanted to take this time to introduce you to a legend and someone whom I've always gone to for the type of music that gives me a rich escape from reality. I'm talking about none other than Yo-Yo Ma, French-born American cellist known for his extraordinary technique and rich tones. Beginner's Mind is a -a one-of-a-kind, audio-only memoir from Grammy-winning cellist Yo-Yo Ma that merges the story of his life with musical interludes. Listen as the beloved artist reflects on his most formative life experiences to motivate others to pursue a life of creative purpose and embrace culture's role in imagining and building a better world. 
In celebration of this Audible original and its essential messages of self-discovery and shared humanity, Audible is proud to offer Yo-Yo Ma's Beginner's Mind absolutely free to everyone, beginning April 8th in the U.S. Customers don't need to start a trial or put credit card information down in order to listen. All you need to do is go to audible.com slash beginner's mind to download and start listening. It's Janet here. When it comes to makeup, if I could only use one product for the rest of my life, it would be mascara. This past year, I've been switching over to vegan and cruelty-free makeup products, and one of the best high-performance, vegan, and 100% cruelty-free mascaras I've found is Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It mimics the look of lash extensions with a firm-hold tubing formula that slides off with warm water and a washcloth. I love that you can get a really dramatic look with this formula, but that it's made with clean, nourishing ingredients. They also have a brilliant eye brightener, which is a cream-to-powder highlighter stick that brightens and opens eyes, among many other products. Not only are their products effective, beautiful, and cruelty-free, they also meet clean beauty standards by omitting toxic ingredients. Even more, the company has a bigger-than-beauty mission where for every product purchased, they donate to help women thrive. Women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more. Visit thrivecosmetics.com ABG for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's thrive, C-A-U-S-E, medics.com ABG for 15% off your first order. Thrivecosmetics.com ABG. Well, throughout the course of our careers, all three of us have been both the interviewee and the interviewer. Mm -hmm. When you are the interviewer, what are the main things you look for in a good candidate? Mm, Okay. When it comes to um, UX interviews, so for anyone, I know that we get a lot of questions about people wanting to go into UX. Uh, A tip I would have for you is to know your projects and to be able to articulate what parts you did Mm -hmm. work on. Because usually most UX projects, you work with the team. Um, Mm. And so... Uh, I look for how they talk about the work, but then I also ask them specifically what they did in that in that mm. in that group project. Um, also, if if I'm interviewing someone and they're going to be on my team, I do get a temperament check. Like, because uh, like if I'm going to have to see this person every day, do I feel like do I want to see you every day? You know, so that's when the culture fit kind of comes in mm-hmm. uh, for me. How about you, Mel? Those are really good tips. And the thing I think about right away or I look for is preparation from the candidate. Like for social media, you know, you get the generic questions like what are some accounts do you follow? Or, or the more common one, what is something good or bad about our current social media account? And I have received responses like, oh, I didn't look or let me take a look right now. And Oof. I'm just like not prepared. Yeah, not yeah, ready. Yeah. Because also if you're telling your interviewer, let me take a look right now, you're actually wasting their time. Yeah. yeah. This is stuff you could have done before. And this is the moment you should really show off that you did your homework and researched the company and the role. Mm -hmm. And for social media, if you're telling me you didn't even look at our account, I would feel like you weren't even ready for this interview or this, Mm -hmm. or you didn't want this role enough. And another thing is like the types of jobs I've been in, I am focused on behavioral questions. And one thing I try to gauge is if their personal missions aligns with the companies. So even at ABG at Jubilee, um, I, I want to see what the person is about. Like, what do you care about? What is your personal value? Because mm. if it aligns, if they have a higher chance of really loving the company, um, enjoying it, the job more, and ultimately longevity within the company. Yeah, so yeah. I look at, like, if our personal, the missions of the person mm-hmm. and our company align. So mm. those are the two things I look for in a candidate. Mm, I like that. Yeah. How about you? So I've been an interviewer more than I've been an interviewee. Mm. And I've done, like, the pre-nights where the company will set up a happy hour or dinner situation and you get to know the candidates before the actual Super Day interviews. And as much as people are like, those don't matter, like, trust me, if you're listening out there, they do matter. Mm. If you get drunk at pre-night, which I've seen, or if you're Mm. extremely antisocial, which Mm. I've also seen, it will be brought up, especially if we are on the fence about you. That has been a deciding factor in many decision-making rooms, actually, the pre-interview night. Mm. Um, and a lot of the good interviews I've had has actually just come down to interpersonal skills. Like, I already know you're good on paper. You wouldn't have gotten the interview if your resume didn't fit what we were looking for. Um, and I'm basically expecting you to be able to back up your resume with more detail, with your past experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'm there to challenge you to understand how your mind works and how you operate when I ask a tough question. Like, do you sweat? Do you freeze? Do you go into let's figure it out mode? Are you so lost in your own world because you're freaking out about the question that you forget that I'm in the room? Like, <laughs> oh no, has that happened? Yes, that has happened before. No. And I'm just like, okay, go, go on. <laughs> you're just in your own world right now, you know? <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of it is looking for, yes, yeah, skill, making sure you're technically qualified. But a lot of it is the fit, 
like you're saying, like they're p- making sure mm-hmm. that their values are aligned with the companies, their grit, their problem solving abilities, and how they are able to communicate. Um, and then when the interview is over, two things that th- have stood out to me. One, do not give me a dead fish handshake. Oh, oh, that's those the worst. are like the worst. But also, don't squeeze the shit on my hands <laughs> like you're trying to prove something to me. Well, I think one shows a lack of confidence and the other overcompensating. Mm. So practice your handshake with your friends if you're not used to it. Um, that makes for a very important first mm. and last impression. And the second thing that has stood out to me, follow up with a thank you note. Yes. Yes. Meaning show up to an interview with a professional looking binder portfolio. And at the end of each interview, ask for the interviewer's business card, which should have their contact information. And after each interview, find like a quiet space, open up your binder, jot down a few takeaways from that interview, whether it's that you appreciate the tidbit about what a day to day is like, Mm -hmm. or even it's like if you're from the same city or went to the Mm -hmm, same college, mm -hmm. you know, like capturing something that was unique to your specific conversation. So it's not just a generic message Mm -hmm. um, makes a huge difference because it shows that you're socially adept, you're thoughtful and you follow through. Mm. Um, And that has also made a difference in decision making rooms. Mm -hmm. Like if we're Mm. deciding between two candidates, if you were someone that followed up, it's like, yeah, that person's probably going to, you know, shows that they want to be here more. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, those are good, good Mm -hmm. tips for our listeners. The things that people think don't matter, like the pre-night and following up with a thank you note can be a big differentiator. Huge difference. Mm. Yes. Don't get drunk on pre-night. Yeah. (laughs) I also find this conversation really interesting because like this convo really showed that we all come from very different backgrounds and work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's a pre, what is it, pre-night? Yeah, yeah. It's like the the night before because sometimes people fly in for Mm. these events and it's a good way to just like ask like your stupid questions or get to know Mm. one of the, you know, more usually it's a more junior interviewer, someone more similar to your level or going to be similar your level and you can just get to know each other ask questions and it's supposed to be like a this is not an interview you know mm, but yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's part of the <laughs> it's like a behavioral sure. type of interview yeah, yeah. Just to see like if you're interested in the other candidates like mm, getting to mm. know people getting to know the person who's there the date the company yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well it's also and when you're working in client services like you're mm. going to be in certain social settings like that at some point in your career with clients in the mm-hmm. room yep. so how do you carry yourself yep. yes. yeah yes oh, very interesting yeah. and even if you're soft-spoken like there are so many people who are soft-spoken but yeah. at least if they're trying yeah. to ask questions and trying to talk to the people next to them mm-hmm. like that's that's good enough mm-hmm. you know that wraps this episode thank you for joining us as we shared some of our stories about interviewing for the various jobs and internships you've had we hope you found this helpful and we'd love to hear about some of your experiences in the comments on this episode's instagram post If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. We do have a couple of shout-outs for this episode. Happy birthday, Isabel. You're such an Asian boss girl. Proud of you for using your voice and standing up for the Asian community from Melissa. To David and Bessie from Chelsea, congratulations on getting married. Honored to officially call Bessie my sister. And to Ching from Suwong, told you the podcast is addictive. Good luck on your first TPA exam, Ching, from your favorite sister. If you'd like to send a shout-out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout-outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch you all on the next episode. Bye! Bye.